Grab your Bibles, if you would. We are in John chapter 4. Last week, if you weren't, you weren't here, we were, uh, we've really kind of camped out on this story. If you've, if you've been in church and you've gone through a lot of different Bible studies, you probably encountered this story that we call the woman at the well. Uh, but right now, this time of year, we celebrate the coming of Jesus. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily when he was born in December, but we've chosen the brothers and sisters before us to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the coming of Christ this time of year. And so they've instituted this Advent season. It's this idea that we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ and we celebrate our God himself, the one who created us, that came down and took human form because that's how much he loved us. Right? And not only did he come and take human form, but he did it in the most humble way possible. You know, being born in a barn, right? So with animals and, and not being a rich or wealthy man or apparently a, even a handsome man, right? Well, we were talking about that too. So, so all of that we, we celebrate. So last week was the first week we talked about hope and tied that into John 4. This week, it's the idea of peace. And so I look at this, and although I'm not going to be, my lesson's not going to be about peace, I find this to be kind of fun, right? Because what, you guys left the tables up from the Christmas party for church? What if people show up and they don't like it? Well, that's a, that's a good early indicator for those people. We're, we're a unique bunch. So if you come in and you're like, what's wrong with these people? Say, stick around a while, you'll make a list of what's wrong with these people. And if you got things wrong with you, great, Welcome. And we're all hopefully getting better through the power of, of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about living waters. So it's this idea, right, that, that wow, like true life, true, true uh, fullness comes from the Father up above. And we, we looked into the scriptures about, you know, prophecies of old and what's going to happen in the future and this, this water flowing, from the throne room of God, and that it was coming down. And so we have access to that through the Holy Spirit, right? And all of that gives us this idea that, guys, Jesus took care of this. Like all of it, right? I'm an Arizona boy, so this weird thing happened last night. I was driving home from the Christmas party. There was, there was this weird water droplets in the sky. Did you see that? I've read about this. They call it fog or something, right? Like, I, we drove in it last you drove in it last night? Yeah. So, actually, it, we were talking about it made it warmer than the dry, cold Prescott Valley climate we usually have, right? It doesn't get colder. Yes, it does. It's not wet, it's just 18 degrees and dry as can be. So, your hands are bleeding because they've cracked open and you're freezing. It's wonderful. Come on and visit, right? So, but I thought, wow, how beautiful, right? And then I thought about, all the folks that live in like San Francisco and stuff, they're tired of this stuff. But for us, it's like, ooh, yeah, rain. Um, but we have this great peace. I had this thought. I'm like, Lord, you know what? There's a whole other existence after I get rid of this body. Do you think about that? There's a whole other existence with God. Jesus took care of that. I mean, what's it even going to be like, Brandon? Like that should give us peace. So we can do silly things like leave the tables in a square and not take ourselves so seriously. And take off our shoes if we want. Right? Like, there is peace. Now, right now, I know there's not peace on earth. I get that. But the Lord is coming back and he will set everything right. 
And so we can sit right now and drink eggnog and put cranberries in our water and eat too much pumpkin pie and turkey and take extra naps. They say it's good for you, I guess, or bad. I'm not sure, right? So let me pray and we're getting into John 4. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all the brothers and sisters throughout the world today. Those who are sick, be with them. Those who are traveling, Give them safe travel, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just feel all the fellowships of the called out ones, all the assemblies that exist, all the places where God's people meet today, that you would speak to them, that you would help them where they're at and help them to grow more into your, Christ, into your likeness, Christ. I pray for this group of people that they would, like Elliot said, not just hear these words, but apply them and let you work in their hearts so they become different, more like you. I pray this, Jesus, because of you in your finished work. Amen. So John 4. So the woman at the well, right? We're back on that again. So Jesus just talked about this living water. He shows up to the well. Hey, lady, can I have a drink? What? You want me, a woman, a Samaritan woman to give you a drink? Like, you don't even have anything to gather the water with. What are you talking about? Oh, I got this drink that you don't know anything about. And if this living water, if you were to take it, if you were to ask me, you'd never be thirsty again. Right? And he's like, sign me up. I'm tired of coming here. And the heat and gathering water. So we've talked about that. Um, and then here we go. I want to start by, by defining before we get into this one term. And the term here is worship. So I'll give you a couple definitions here and maybe you can help me. Worship. One way it's been defined is this. And I'm going to read it to you because it might be small depending on where you're sitting. The reverence or adoration that one shows towards something or someone holding a person or object in high esteem or giving a person or an object a place of importance or honor. That's clear, right? Perfectly clear. Okay, let, let, me, let me come back up and come back at it. Here's what I'm saying. Respect, reverence, love, and service shown to something or someone that you value as greater than yourself. Because I think we have a tendency, and, and maybe you're a, a person who's really comfortable in church. So as soon as you say worship, you think what? Music. Okay. But let's, let's take all, all the religious context out of it. The idea of worship is simply to say, I see you, I'm holding you at higher importance and esteem than me. And because of that, I'm taking a proper posture towards you. Right? So what happens is, the one who worships puts themselves aside in service to the person or thing they worship. What kind of things do we worship? Wrongfully so. What is it? Cars. Cars. Money. Cars, money, sex. Sports team. Sports team. Children. Apple products. Apple products. <laughs> yeah, food, right? Money, yeah. Trust. Trust. Our, ourselves. So, well, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Social connection. Yeah, so we can worship really anything, right? That's not the whole point of the sermon, but we can worship anything that we wanted to hold at high esteem and sacrifice ourselves for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, is, it is one of those things, if, if what you want more than anything is A, then you're going to forsake everything else to get that. Right? 
we worship youth in our culture. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Chris is over that, but the rest of us might be struggling with it, okay? We worship those sport teams, right? Do you guys remember high school? Here's a perfect example of how silly we are. Okay, the kids who were the best at sports, were they often the kindest kids and smartest kids you knew? No, okay. How come if those people keep going and now they're 25, we think that they have superpower and knowledge about politics, medicine, and everything else? Right? A great question. But we do that. We, we do that. We want to know, okay, politician, give me medical advice. Medical doctor, give me political advice. That's not the way this thing works. But, but we hold these people in high esteem, right? Movie stars, right? Clearly, you know everything about everyone because you're good at acting. Right? Even Pastor Will, you know everything about... No, I don't. None of us do. Right, right. Okay, so, so we hold all these things in worship, right? How much money is enough money? A little bit more. How much sex is enough sex? A little bit more, right? <laughs> or a lot of bit more. And uh, how much food is enough food? Right? I don't know. I mean, because even for the day you're done, but the next day you're like, oh, yesterday I had three pieces of pumpkin pie, but today I'm sure I won't get as sick as I did yesterday when I eat three pieces of pumpkin pie. All right? But, but actually, the idea, the word here that they're translating has to do with prostrating oneself. It's this idea like, like compared to you, I'm like face down on the ground, like whatever, whatever it is that you want, right? Like, like so, so whatever you're throwing yourself face down to say compared to you, right, I'm nothing. Okay, we got kind of a worship pulse on the worship idea. So at the end of all, all this living water, um, if it's, this, I'm, I'm giving you my opinion here, and this opinion shared by a lot of people who study the scripture. So you might, you're free to disagree, but this is the living word. And, and to me, it gave me a message I wanted to share with you, okay? But Jesus is talking to her. And then Jesus says to her in verse 16, go call your husband. Right, which makes a lot of sense because in the culture, he should be dealing with the husband. Go call your husband and come here. 17, the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. Then check it out. He takes it to another level here. He says, for you have had five husbands and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And I have to slow down because I've read this a lot and I'll miss it. But I want you to see what happens next. So then the woman said to him, right? Think, think about this. Okay. Hey, Chris, you know, I want to point out something about you. And, and then what's customary is you'd be like, okay, well, I disagree with you or thank you for pointing that out. But she did a famous thing here that we're, people are famous for, right? This redirect. So the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. For our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem, the place is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, 
and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So what I love what happens, let, let me give you kind of that, my, my take on that. She breaks out this question, and this is a valid question. This is a question I think all men and women throughout their lives who want to follow Jesus, right, are going to ask, okay, so where do we worship God and how do we worship God? Right? So they've asked this, and what's happening is without getting too much off track, you've got You've got the same descendants, right? Abraham, all the promises, and then stuff happens. Life gets messy. Now you have these two groups. There's one, the Jews, who've, who've stayed in, in their area and, and really had followed the law and tried to marry within their own genealogy so they could keep their blood pure, right? And to be the chosen people of God. So in, in Jerusalem, they worshiped where? In the temple, Right? Yeah, and, and they, as God's people, your genealogy, your heritage, your genetic background, your descendants was huge because there was a group of people that God chose and everyone else was out as far as they knew. Make sense? Now, the Samaritans were a weird group because they actually came from that same lineage. However, throughout uh, the conquering nations and the, the merging of men and women who weren't from the same heritage and religious backgrounds, they had kind of this blender of some sort of Jew, Jew-like faith, right? Some of the things they practice a lot like they did in Jerusalem. Others were very, were tainted, twisted, adapted, to fit their own will. Uh, interesting, right? And so they had this Mount Gerizim that, that they would worship on. It's a valid question, but here's what I want to point you back to. Because the whole point of this, what John said when he wrote this book, right? I'm going to put it in my own words. He wrote this so that you and I, that our, our faith and confidence in God would grow. And so what's happening is Jesus is walking, he's meeting people, and he's growing his kingdom. He hasn't stopped, he's just doing it different through the Holy Spirit that lives in every one of us. And I'm one of the agents of Christ to come talk to you and tell you, guys, we've got to take these these stories, these writings, and look at ourselves and let Jesus teach us just like he taught her. Is that fair? Okay. Here's what the woman did. She attempted to direct Jesus' attention from personal matters. I might use words like the heart of the matter or the spirit of the matter or, or her heart or her spirit. And he wanted, she wanted, sorry, him to talk with her about religious questions. Questions of, of truth and the mind. Does that, does that make sense? So you have personal matters the heart of the issue. And what we're going to find is Jesus a lot of times is coming in and when he's talking to the Jews, he goes, I know that you guys love the religious questions. You love to talk about the truth. You love to talk about thoughts and the mind and the law. But I'm going to take that to another level and I'm going to ask you to look at your heart. 
And, and going God's way is more than just not doing certain things and doing certain things. It's a transformation of what's happening inside of you. And, and here's one of those instances. Because this lady clearly was versed and the, and the scriptures that she had, right? And she lived at the base of the mountain where they worshiped. But Jesus didn't fall for it. He didn't fall for it. He, he doesn't fall for it with us. Now, let's talk a little bit about this, okay? Um, when Christ arrives, certain things changed, right? Certain things changed when Jesus came. God didn't change who he was, but, but one thing that happened is Jesus kind of tore down that wall that was there. The separation between a Jew and a Gentile was no longer as important it was at that time. He, he kind of flipped it on its head. He even spoke to these Gentiles, right? He went through this land, these people that weren't Jews, these people that were unclean. And it really threw all their belief system on its head. And the places where we had rituals, he even said something one time, right? Where he's like, hey, you tear down this temple, I'm gonna rebuild it in three days. They thought he meant the actual temple. He was talking about his body. He was trying to let us know that God doesn't live in the Ridges building. He lives in the inside all those who believe, who come in and go. Amen. Right? This same building used to do like oil changes and stuff, okay? Not holy, set apart type of stuff. Right? Uh, so he, he taught us that truth. And the, the, temp, the primary focus does no longer have to be the temporary provisions of the law. Right? They had a purpose. Their, their purpose really was never to save you, but simply to point us and get us to the place where we realized we needed a savior. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Like he took care of the law for us, right? He satisfied the law, not that it was no longer true or didn't exist, so things are changing now that Jesus is here. And we're going to see the people who are encountering Jesus having a hard time. So then Jesus said this to her. Take you back to this woman. Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship we, what you do not know, but we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. The reason why I want to point that out to you is I want to take you back to that. So if he's torn down that wall, he said the, the hour is coming when where you need to worship isn't the temple and it isn't the mount that you guys. And I have to ask myself, you know, being really honest, okay, pulling back from all, all the scripture I think you should be asking yourself, like, okay, Lord, where do I worship you? Right? Fair question. Where do I worship you? Like, I'm really glad that you guys came here on a Sunday morning. I think it's really important. That's why I'm investing my life in it. I, re I really do. But I don't, I'm not deceived at all to think that this is the only place you can go to worship. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes less worship's happening here than outside the walls, and that's a good thing. 
right? Because when Jesus set up the church, one of the things that he said is, listen, how do you get outside yourself if you're hanging out by yourself? Right? So he's appointed leaders over all the believers that they could equip and enable the saints to do ministry. When you come to this place, you should feel all equipped up, whatever that means, and enabled to do ministry wherever it is that you go. And some of you are doing it in here, praise God. All of you up there and there and upstairs and Reggie and Jane in the back. That's great. But please understand, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, where you throw yourself to the ground and you're like, God, your way, because you're that much better than me, that's worship. And if you do that with song, sure, then that's worship music. If you do that when you hold a baby, I mean, don't literally throw yourself down if you hold a baby, okay? Just, just asterisks. If, if you love your spouse, if, if you love your parents, if you feed those who are starving, if you clothe those who are naked, if you treat someone with kindness at the store, right? If you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Any time where to worship God is where you're doing something or getting that posture where, Your will, not mine, God. You're the most important. And I'll give up from myself because of you. So so then we have to ask this question. This hour that's coming. Verse 23, but the hour is coming. When is that? When is it? Well, he says it right here, man. And it's now here. And remember, this is a couple thousand years ago, right? So it's still now here. So the hour is coming. We don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to a mountain. We don't have to go on Glassford Hill and build a shrine. You can do that everywhere. And when that happens, even now, here's how you're going to worship. The true worshipers will, true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Do you think you know what that means, spirit and truth? Yeah, that's, that's a great, that probably should be our answer. Maybe, ish, ish. Let's, what's the spirit and the truth? Because I'm telling you what, Jackie, this, well, we got to figure this thing out. I want to be a true worshiper of God, right? Well, good luck figuring it out. But hey, I want you to enlighten me. Like, Holy Spirit, that's my prayer right now. Would you use this time, Holy Spirit? Speak to us. Open our eyes and show us something that we didn't see before. It's ours, too. It's ours, too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, did you read my notes? Um, so here's what it is. And anyone like to write pretty? If not, I'll write ugly. You want to write pretty for me? Okay. So um, I want to talk about, I'll even give you choices here. Let me see. I'm breaking. Oh, nice. Here's that if you want. Yeah, so let's talk about spirit first. You're welcome to use. So I'll, I'll kind of help you when it's time. So the first thing is when we look at the word, right? Please understand, I am far from uh, 
a theologian, and I, I haven't had great studies in the original languages. But understand, because this is the New Testament, our Bible is translated from which language? Greek, okay? So the Greek word here for spirit, when Jesus is talking about that, is pneuma. Okay? Now, yeah, it's really a current of air. A literal translation, it's like the breath, right? So this is me, I say, Jesus, is that what I have to do? Is that, is that spirit? Right? It could be. I mean, it really, it could be, but like, so pneuma has to do with breath, spirit. But what we've learned is the reason why is because the spiritual workings of God, sometimes you just don't see them, right? You don't know where they're coming from or where they stop or what happened. And trying to catch it and contain it is like trying to capture the wind. And this is the danger. The more, the more uh, we experience the Holy Spirit, the more addicted we get to that. And then we try to manipulate him, right? <laughs> like try to capture him in the cup. Look at Brandy, I caught the wind. Ooh, wait, oh, yeah, I guess it's gone. So much for that, right? So humble yourself to know that you can't control the Spirit. Because the language here explains what he's like. Um, now, the definition, if you look at that according to the internet, which never lies, and the Blue Letter Bible, um, it is literally a current of air. Um, now, figuratively, by analogy, like a spirit. When it comes to humans, there, this word can be used to refer to the rational soul. So what you're saying, like, I have a spirit, and I don't understand exactly how it works, but there's also then supernaturally there's, there's angels and demons which exist in a spiritual form, okay? Now, in a divine nature, God is spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit. And so somehow, right, there's this dance, this do-si-do between the spirit, the rational part of me, the rational soul of me on the inside, that you can't see just like the wind. The kind that if you go and you watch someone pass away and you see them afterwards, it's not them anymore. Right? It's the same DNA, the same blood, maybe not pumping, but it's not them anymore because something about them that made truly them is now gone. Right? So that part is dancing somehow and interacting with the Holy Spirit. Meanwhile, the spirits at play, the demons and the angels got something to say about it too. And then we're like, oh, where's the sandwiches, right? Like, so, <laughs> so when you look at the context of this, what is Jesus talking about, right? So let me, uh, here's, what I, here's what I want you to write for me. Um, we will once you get done. I'll just figure I'll give you a surface here. So here's how you can help. So giving you those kind of categories, help me start a little bit of a list of if we're talking about the spirit, what could we be talking about? Like the spirit of a person or a thing. What do you think? You can even still those definitions, but I, I want to hear from you too. Something that's not, is not physical. Not, not physical. You want to write that down? Yeah. Love. Love. Yeah. Right? Yes. Love, what else? Fear, love, anger. See, you guys, you guys are hitting it here because there's these emotions that come from within. Love, fear, anger. Trust. Trust, okay. 
devotion. Powerful. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know how I remember old pastors when I was growing up, they would, a few of them over time would say, you know, I just knew it in my knower. You know, I think the knower is that. Right? It's just that, that thing you can't put your fingers on. There's something about that. Because you can refer to it, not only the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of the matter. It was like, oh, man, something in my spirit just made me say this is a great idea. Right? Mm-hmm. Mysterious. Mysterious. Intangible. Mysterious. Yeah, so all the feelings that you think, right? Even the fruit of the spirit, right? You can start going down that list. Like when I just feel patient. Because you can even just put, you know, uh, fruit of the spirit. Maybe there rather than listing them all out. But, but do you see that? So, so what's going on is we want to worship him in this, in spirit. Cool. So I think that will, that will get that point across. Awesome. Now the next one, as you could guess, would probably be truth. I put it in Christmas colors for you, green and red, just to keep consistent. Now, truth, once again, this word is translated from the Greek, aletheia. The word aletheia uh, has, it actually means truth. Uh, Other ways to define it is what is true in any matter under consideration. Okay, so actual truth, not not the substance of reality. Do you want to write again or someone else want to write? We're going to start a list here with this. Okay. Cool. Do you want to start on this one then too? Sure. So, so yeah, with this, I'll go ahead and put this up there. So you've got spirit. We'll talk more about that. So truth is everything as it really was. So when you testify to the truth, in reference to religion, the the word denotes what is true in things pertaining to God and the duties of man, right? Like ultimate truth is what we get from the scriptures, testifies to what's true without perspective. So, hey, write that down. Truth without perspective, if you don't mind. Now, what are the words that we want to use? Not from some lame dictionary that, that doesn't mean anything to our hearts here. But what do we want to say about truth? Honesty. Absolutely. Honesty. I signed you up for a big job here. So. Yeah, you did. Honesty. Honesty. Yeah. yeah. Reality. Which, <laughs> yeah. It's what really happened. Yeah. It's what really happened, yeah. Integrity. So we'll see if this is helpful. Honesty, integrity, what, what really happens. I like that, what we run into when we're wrong. Difficult to face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one, one of the things you guys are hitting on that I think is really important is, is um, now God, right? God is the definer of truth. 
He's the creator, so he tells us how the creation works. And since the beginning, we were like, God, no, that's not, I don't think, I think it could work differently. He goes, no, you don't understand. I created it. I know how it works. So, so it's great uh, assurance that our God doesn't change, right? Because with people, what it is, is when you're in relationship with people, sometimes if you're not careful, you wake up each day and you're like, how are you doing today? Well, it depends how, how everyone around me is doing, right? Because people change. And any day can become a crisis because people are changing. But when you have a God who doesn't change, we love that when we need to lean on him. When we don't love it is when our circumstance is such that our heart really wants him to change. (laughs) Can't I in this situation just do what's not true? Right? Can't you for this, for me, can't you make an exception on what's true? Right? Uh, And so I think, yeah, you guys are hitting what you can say. Truth prevails. Yes. How many times I've known that whatever the circumstance, that the truth, then it comes first. It's the what else? Source of security and safety. Source of security. Yeah. 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 Anything else? Indisputable. Love? Yeah. You can't hide from him. He'll find you. You can't hide? <laughs> Truth will get you. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. That's okay. That, this will be great for, for the purposes of this. Thank you so much. Now they can read it better than if I wrote it. So if I want to be a true worshiper, so yeah, the message for today is, is really the way that I see this is we're coming together and, and you guys need to be equipped and, and encouraged and enabled to walk with Jesus, right? As you go and to minister to other people as you're doing this. And so one of the things that my job is, I want to give you this information and I want to keep reminding you so that you can be armed with this truth and you can take it and you can consider it. You can pray about it. You can talk to others that you love about it. You can read in the scripture about it. And then if you do all those things, you will change over time. And me too. And no one changes more than the teacher, right? right. Says everyone who teaches. Um, So if I want to be a true worshiper, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to sort of question maybe a lot of the things I've been taught in the past. And when I do that, I'm going to find uh, two categories. One, or probably three categories. One, I'm not so sure what to do with that right now. And then one where clearly that was someone's idea. And then the, the other category is the ones that I see where they got that from. Mm-hmm. I can see the truth. I can see the scripture. I can see the evidence why they went with that. But one thing that happens, depending on your background, we put a lot of weight on experience and um, emotions. Okay? And I would put that in the spirit category. Yep. Right? And then other groups, they've, they've put a big dismissal on, on all that. We don't want to talk about that because it can be abused. And instead, we want to simply stick to the truth, to the information. Right? And, and so, if I want to be a true worshiper, I've got, worshiper, I've got to deal with both. 
And I think this is what, this is how I have to encourage the people of God is just to say, listen, it's okay that I go on my experience. Because Brandy and I talk about that a lot when we're talking with people and sharing kind of our story and the reason for our hope. It's like, no, you have to understand until you go through it, you don't get it. Experience is a valuable teacher. And hopefully others' experiences can be a valuable teacher for you. Although most of the time, how does that work out? You have to hit your head too. But sometimes it can be very helpful. And when you hit your head, having somebody to say, here, let me help you out because I've been there. Here's the ice pack, right? I did the same thing, brother. Um, So your experience is important, but my experience and my emotions are informed by the truth. Learn from the biblical writings. Like, I think the Christians over time should say, you know what? This is what I feel or what I'm experiencing. And I know it's true because remember Jesus said this? Remember Paul said this? Remember Peter said this? Now I totally get in my heart what they were talking about. I see it. I feel it inside. I know what it means, what they said. The words on those pages now have come alive for me. So here is the challenge that you have. You and I, each one of us, you're going to have to walk each day and you're probably going to have a bent towards one or the other. You're going to start leaning one way or the other. And you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and catch you. Because like Paul was saying, if I know everything, if I have all the truth, but I don't have love, then what am I? A clanging symbol. No one wants to listen to me. No one wants to be near me. Jesus exemplified the total truth in this. So So the Spirit, right, not only is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads, but where he engages you is your spirit. How does this play out? Truth. Let me give you a great church example. Ask any pastor, they're going to tell you the same thing. You know what's the biggest burden of being a pastor? is trying to figure out how to navigate people's uh, felt wants and needs and truth, right? And one of them is music. Especially now, because you have YouTube with professional musicians that do an amazing job with huge budgets. And everyone who goes into a church, even of 20 people, want exactly the same thing. Right? I mean, they really do. At home, I really love because they do that. Okay. Everyone knows truth. I mean, the music, right, is not the most important thing. Right? Does everyone know that truth? But honestly, in your spirit. Because sometimes I think, you know, maybe we should just get rid of the music. It's such a headache, right? But the spirit, but the truth is that you and I were created. When God put us together, it's no wonder when they went into battle, who went first? The worshipers. So, Will, why do you guys play four songs? Well, Wade before me had four songs before the sermon, right? But that's not the answer. I had to test it. I tried three songs. I tried two songs. You know what I saw on your faces when there was two songs? You were like, my spirit needs more. Right? To engage me, to prepare me. Like, I could just come in without hearing any of the music, look at your faces, and I know how it went up there. I've preached at places where, God bless them, but there wasn't that experience. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy and wake them up now. Right? Right? So truth is, right, like you lose somebody you love. Well, they're in a better place now, right? Maybe. Uh, Truth. The spirit is like you are heartbroken. You are going through mourning. Right? 
Truth is, God can heal you, but he might not that way that you want him to. The spirit is, believe that he can and ask him. You see that? But in churches like her, what we often do is I don't want to talk about what's going on inside. And here is probably maybe the crux of, I think what God's called me to do is I'm trying to wrestle both of these. Because in churches, we love lots of things that are truth, man. We love it because you can get like apologetics, right? And a little, you can do eschatology and Greek and Hebrew and Jewish traditions, right? And feasts all great. And then you can even say, well, yeah, America was founded by believers. So I'm very involved politically from my Christian point of views. Um, Abortion's really bad, right? You can do all that truth. And what happens is fast forward, the people in your life are like, you know what my experience of your spirit was? You didn't invest in this at all. Like the woman at the well, you continued to study and never do what the scriptures asked you to say. You continued to distract yourself with social causes and you never let the Holy Spirit transform you from the inside out. You spoke about a life with Christ where there was freedom, but you did not live it. That's the danger, right? Okay, now I'm done picking on that side. So I'll pick on this side. They're like, oh man, like, will you almost have the Holy Spirit because you didn't speak in tongues today? Uh Right, like, oh man, I gotta have like 10, 15 every Sunday. I know the Holy Spirit's gonna fall on me and make me do this, right? Right, like, oh, I gotta have the next experience, right? And, And honestly, not to just pick on them, but I know the people in this bent, I know them one week and then like, oh, what happened to Billy? Oh, you didn't hear, dude. He went off the deep end, divorced his wife and everything. Once the emotion stopped and he had no information of truth, like an addict, he flipped out. Right? Oh, thank you, Will, for this very comfortable Christmas conversation. Yeah, yeah, right? It's the truth and the spirit. What I want for me and what I want to invite everyone that's following Jesus together is that we're asking these questions, right? So by all means, man, if you know the Greek word for it, great. If you know the Hebrew word for it, great. If you know the Jewish festival for it, great. But did you do it? Right? Like, like at some point, you're going to have to worship, which is the act of giving yourself up. Did you ever throw yourself to the ground instead of climb high with your information? Right? Did you ever say, I have great experiences, man. I've seen people raised from the dead. Well, yeah, but stop using crack. <laughs> right? I could preach these great sermons, man, and it's like fire came down. Yeah, but you're cheating on your wife. Right? Right? Do you see this? We have to stop, okay? You want the ails of the world to go away. Well, they're not completely, okay? Is, is, like, is culture going to turn around? I don't know. That's not up to me. But I, only, I know the only answer is Jesus. And one of the cool things about where we live is there, there's, it's democracy-esque, okay? But, but ultimately, the problems you face is half of the world disagrees with what the Bible says. They don't want no part of what the Bible's truth says, 
And then what we have is tons of people presenting truth and not engaging the spirit at all. And so many of the people, even the way I feel like I grew up, we engage this truth, but a lot of the spiritual matters that existed were left for you to navigate on your own. Right? So I don't want to be part of that. I'm trying to learn like, Holy Spirit, teach me, teach the people that I'm shepherding to do this. So by all means, man, don't forget truth. But you're never going to reach somebody without engaging truth and spirit. And your worship will fall short. So once again, no really fancy, sexy ending to this. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. I hope that you can consider this. If you journal, write this down. Ask the Lord to reveal to you. Because I I think what we can find is, um, because of my background, I, I might run into this probably more. You know, but what happened to me in God's grace is I became dissatisfied in what the faith they, they had offered me was giving me. It didn't, it didn't add up. And one of the great blessings I had is, is God gave me a wife who didn't grow up in that system. So she asked me these questions like, well, why do you do that? And I'm like, oh. right? Like, why? Oh, I guess I never really thought about that. Like, why, why do you do that? Well, we just do it that way because this is like the truth that's laid out and, and the plans that are laid out. And we didn't engage the spirit of it. I mean, you have to minister, right? To people in spirit and truth. You have to worship God in spirit and truth. You have to practice your faith in spirit and truth. God help us. Let's pray. We're going to play a couple songs, just some time with the Lord to reflect. Uh, Father, I, I thank you for your love. I thank you for being unchanging. And Jesus, I thank you for rescuing me. And, and not only once, but you, in rescuing me, you keep rescuing me. You saved me from hell, but you saved me from myself. So Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would speak to everyone who's hearing this. Including me. Lead us. Show us how to worship you. We don't even know how to do that, but help us just lay ourselves down. Reveal to us. Show us. Are we leaning way too much in truth? Are we leaning way too much in the grace and the spirit? Teach us, Lord worship you in spirit and truth and come after Holy Spirit I ask you come after our distraction our deflection well that's great Jesus I know you want to talk about my heart yeah you've been married five times and now the one you're with you're not married oh well, wait yeah but let's talk about the temples which one come after us Lord come right through that wall Because the day is coming, the day is here. Well, it won't matter what church building you go to or what denomination or how much you know about God. True worshipers must worship you in truth. Help us to be such worshipers, Jesus, I pray. Amen.